now, Father, I pray, pour out your Spirit upon us, Lord, that your word would be spoken and your word alone received. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Well, it's wonderful to see so many brave souls this morning. And I'm not uh, going to talk about the storm. You might be relieved. I think, haven't we all heard enough over the last few days? Uh, every moment, the Weather Channel broadcasting gloom and doom. So we'll skip that this morning. But coincidentally, my sermon is on suffering. <laughs> totally uh, didn't plan it for a hurricane, but there we are. So it might be fitting if you have suffered recently. And I must begin by saying I'm not fully qualified to speak about suffering. Now, I have had some kidney stones, but I haven't had uh, cancer or heart disease or COPD, and I don't think if I have Alzheimer's, it's barely started. I, I haven't been divorced, and I haven't suffered, I haven't been fired uh, yet, and I haven't, well, there are lots of things. Becky and I haven't lost a child or, or, or a grandchild, and so I have not suffered even as many as you have. I don't know suffering uh, as a professional, only as an amateur. I've been picked on once and sued once uh, for believing what the scripture says uh, about Jesus' uniqueness and about such things as sexual mor uh, mor morality, but I have not been beaten for my faith or arrested. So I'm just saying all that so you know that I don't come to this topic as an expert, one who knows the true depths of suffering, but rather as an amateur. Nevertheless, our scriptures today say some important things about suffering, and I want us to see them. I want to start by saying that suffering has different causes, and how we respond to suffering uh, depends a little bit on its cause. And so, first of all, there's suffering that we cause ourselves by our bad choices. I call self-inflicted suffering. If I abuse my health, for example, things like tobacco or, or excessive alcohol use or use of illegal drugs or, or prescription drugs, uh, abuse or bad diet or no exercise. If I do these things or if I do other stupid things like driving drunk at 80 miles an hour or go cliff diving or have lots of sexual partners, if I do these things and then I suffer the consequential harm of those, the expected disease or the expected damage, well, that's self-inflicted, isn't it? Self-inflicted suffering just the natural consequences of my poor choices. And the scripture speaks to that, not, not so much our readings this morning, but the scripture says we reap what we sow. And so our response to self-inflicted suffering should be in part to stop sowing stupidly. As Christians, by the power of the Holy Spirit within us, we have the ability to change course, and we're supposed to take care of our bodies Scripture says to us that basically the Lord has loaned us our bodies for his purposes. We're not our own. We're bought with a price, Paul says. So honor God with your bodies. Be good stewards. That's the right response to self-inflicted suffering to begin to deal with our destructive habits and choices. Second cause of suffering is our fallen world. That's what we've been surrounded with for the last few days. God's original creation had no suffering. The Garden of Eden, no disease, no death, no pain, no hurricanes, no tsunamis, no earthquakes, no forest fires. But when we rebelled, the scripture says, the creation fell. It was corrupted. All manner of suffering entered the created order. 
with the fall came, the, for example, the corruption of the human heart. And so it's full of things, as Jesus said, like competitiveness and greed and hatred and jealousy and rage and adultery and all the rest. And then came the destructive weather and the other catastrophes, which we label today as acts of God, don't we? But they're not acts of God, they're acts of the fall. Our psalmist speaks of this type of suffering. He says he got sick. The cords of death entangled him. The grave took hold of him, brought him low, and he learned something. He learned what I think God would often have us learn through suffering in a fallen world, which is to call out to God, to cry out to him for help, to depend on him for deliverance, and then to experience his love and his mercy and the comfort that he provides. Not that God removes us from suffering or removes all the suffering from us, but he sustains us through it. He, he carries us through it, and we know better than his love and his presence. And so we can, we can learn from fallen world suffering. We can either grow bitter or we can become more dependent upon the Lord. And a final type of suffering this morning we see in Isaiah and the gospel, suffering for being faithful to God and his word in a world that rejects both. In other words, suffering for the faith. Isaiah is God's prophet. He's charged by God to speak God's word to Israel, to God's people and their leaders that they need to repent. They need to turn from their sin, lest the Lord destroy them. And the Lord told Isaiah what to say. Isaiah says he has the tongue of one who's been taught, taught by God, and taught so he could bring a word to the weary, those weary of sin. They might listen. And for his faithfulness to that call, Isaiah suffered. They pulled out his beard. They beat him. They spit upon him. They dissed him. Why? Because they didn't want God's word. They liked their own way of living, their own choices, and so they turned against the one who spoke for God and his laws. And Isaiah learned from his suffering. He learned perseverance and obedience. He says here, he sent, set his face like flint to go on with God's word despite the rejection, despite the suffering and the humiliation. He learned ultimately that God would prevail. He learned that he would be vindicated Declared righteous, he says, God is with me. Who can condemn me? Suffering for the faith. Jesus speaks of the same in the gospel lesson this morning. But first you notice Peter has to undergo, as is typical of Peter, some self-inflicted suffering. He's made the good confession, the one that we all need to make for eternal life. Jesus is the Christ, Son of the living God. He is Savior and Lord. But then when Jesus starts to speak about suffering, Peter rebukes him. Peter doesn't want that Jesus. He wants a victor Jesus, the one that's going to drive out the Romans. And so he rebukes Jesus. And Jesus turns on him, rebukes him harshly, calls him Satan, shames Peter in front of the whole group. That's a good picture of self-inflicted suffering. Put your plans over God's plans, and sometimes you're humiliated in the process. And then Jesus uses Peter's rejection of suffering as a teaching moment. Jesus says, you know, Peter and all of you, it's not just I who suffer, says Jesus, but if you're going to follow me, you'll all suffer. If I have suffered loss, how much more will you? He said, if you follow me, 
You must take up your cross. It's not a piece of jewelry. That's an instrument of torture. Pick up your cross, deny yourself, lose your life for my sake. You remember he also said, Jesus said, that if they hate me, how much more will they hate you? We're encouraged in the New Testament. These are not popular scriptures this morning, are they? But we're encouraged in the New Testament when we're to rejoice when we're counted worthy of suffering for Jesus Christ. Counted worthy and rejoicing because it produces great things in us. It produces perseverance and character and hope. James speaks of suffering for the faith this morning. He says if we have real faith in Christ, it shows up in our behavior. It shows up in self-sacrificial love. The kind of suffering that comes when we have to set aside something that we wanted, our time, our, our money, our privacy, whatever it is, to help someone in need. And he says, faith without that sort of self-sacrificial giving, without suffering loss, he says, that's no faith at all. We're not saved by the doing. We're not saved by the suffering. But James is saying we're not saved without it either because it proves our faith. This is what Jesus is really saying to Peter and to all of us. We can't have our lives, our, our comfortable, self-focused, me-first kind of life, and, and have his life also. That's not what Jesus offers. He, his life is out there, serving and doing and helping. We can't further our own selfish aims of life. We have to lay them aside and accept Jesus' agenda, and then we'll live. So here's my point this morning. When we suffer, you and I, we need to look at why we're suffering. And if it's self-inflicted, the result of bad choices, then we need to think about changing course. By the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit to go in a new direction, to repent, turn away from those things that are causing us harm and damage. Pray for the grace, as they say in the 12-step program, that the grace to, to do the next right thing. In other words, we need to trust the Lord. And if we're suffering because of the fallen world, the prayer is a little different. It's a cry to God for help and for comfort in the midst of that suffering, to grow in faith as he gets us through the suffering, as we experience his presence and love. It is a, a cry for his comfort in the midst of unavoidable suffering. It's also trusting in the Lord. And then finally, if we're suffering for the faith, well, we're called to rejoice. If we've stood up, you and I, for the truth of God's word, for Jesus Christ, and suffered for it, well, hallelujah. Hallelujah. If we've suffered for the loss of our agenda in favor of his agenda, we've laid down the plans that we might have in favor of his plans, well, then, Hallelujah. And if we're not suffering for the faith, well, I'm sorry, but if it's not cost us anything, if we've not denied our claim to ourselves, if we've not given up something dear to us in order to meet the needs of others, then, well, at least we need to consider whether we actually have faith in Christ. Because Jesus doesn't really leave us a middle ground. He doesn't leave us a middle ground. He says our faith will cost us 
And we can't have the life just the way we desire it with our selfish goals and, we, and his life at the same time. And I know you're looking at me like this is the worst news and the worst sermon I have ever heard, right? But it's not bad news. It is not bad news. Because if you've done it, if you've done it in the least little bit, if you've laid aside something you wanted for something you hear him calling you to, you know the joy of that transaction, of laying down something we wanted for the sake of something he's calling for. We lay aside our agenda, our plan, and we receive so much greater, something infinitely better in this life than the next. So, Let's embrace suffering, you and I. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you that we live in a world that drives us to you with all of its trappings and its temptations and the suffering that comes in this life. We thank you for your faithfulness to us, that when we cry out, you hear us and save us. We thank you, Lord, that you count us righteous at times to suffer for your word and for your glory. Give us strength to live our lives for you. In Christ's name, amen. amen.